Welcome to the Glover Chat Podcast, a show about faith, family, and whatever fun stuff we feel like talking about. Join us each episode for encouraging and uplifting content, led by your hosts, Aaron and Emily Glover. Thanks for joining us for Glover Chat. Chat. All right, everybody, welcome to episode number five of Glover Chat. We're so glad that you took time out of your day to spend some time with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a very special episode for you today. But as always, I'd like you to like and follow our podcast. If you're watching this on Spotify or listening, sorry, not watching, listening on <laughs> Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, or the Google Podcasts, uh, you can get it everywhere. So uh, follow, subscribe, share it with your friends on Facebook or Instagram. We appreciate you guys. And now here's Emily with our synopsis for the show. Synopsis of the show. <laughs> I feel like we need to have like even music for that. That'd okay. be great. Um, we can do that. But anyway, today we are going to be talking about millennials in ministry. And we have a very special guest with us today. Mm-hmm. It's our buddy, John, or your buddy, John. And then I kind of claim him. As a buddy too, so but you go. He's mainly my buddy. Yes, but he can be your buddy too. Right. I'll share my buddy with you. But he's kind of he's kind of the person that that would be buddies with anybody. That's true. That's, John that's isn't no. anybody buddy. <laughs> so just to introduce everybody <laughs> to my good friend John Jacobs, he's the director of student success for Alamo Colleges in San Antonio. He's an elder in his local church, a doctoral student, an outstanding husband, a fantastic father and one of my favorite people in the world to be around. John, say hi to everybody. What is going on, Aaron, uh, Emily, and everybody? I'm just pumped to be here. And yes, I'm one of Aaron's favorite people, and guess what? He's one of my favorite people. He's my top three. Top three, next, next to the Lord. Next to the Lord. <laughs> hey, that's a good spot to be in. That that's, is, that's you some, know. That's a, that's a, that's the high expectations there. It is. Don't, don't fail. <laughs> no pressure. That's no pressure. High bar, but no pressure. Uh-huh. Oh, goodness. I, I'm i telling you, I, I love... John and I met um, at DBU at the very beginning of our doctoral journeys. Uh-huh. I still remember... Do you remember the room in Nation Hall where we met downstairs? Mm-hmm. We all were... Walking- Every one of us, we walked into the room like, you know, deer in the headlights. Look, we didn't know what was going on, what to expect. Right. And I don't know if it was you were in the room first or I was, but you were sitting in the back of the room. And I came and sat down beside you. And I I don't remember the first thing we said to each other, but from that first moment, me and John, boom, clicked. Buds. It was easy. (laughs) Buds for life. (laughs) Buds for life. And you know what? It's crazy because you just, you know, in, in moments of your life, you meet somebody and you just know that that person's going to be in your life forever. And I just right. knew at that moment that, yeah, Aaron, 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 that, that this is going to be my dude for life right here. And and that's true. That's that's been that we've been friends through thick and thin, up and down, things going on. It's, it's been great, you know. And I, I I appreciate you, Aaron. I appreciate you. And everyone needs a friend. Aaron needs an Aaron in their life. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I would say everybody needs a John. Because, like, well, I, I, I mean, the, it is just, it's hard to explain. And I tried to explain to Emily when I, when I first, after first meeting you, I was like, this guy just exudes so much positivity yeah. and energy and goodness. It, it's hard to explain to people uh-huh. who don't know you. It's hard to explain John to yeah. them. 
<laughs> so we should give everybody a disclaimer. It's gonna be bromance this whole segment. <laughs> so this your life. So, <laughs> I, I I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go watch some shows, and y'all just, yeah, catch just up. we're just gonna do this. It's just gonna be me and John catching up. This whole show. <laughs> no, but the thing is, is that it, but but me and John could go off on just music. Well, well, that's what's yep. funny. Y- that's y'all had that was what was funny. I remember the first time John and I were FaceTiming. That's mm-hmm. what we did to help support each other during school was we would talk and, and, and help support each other in those difficult days. And that first like FaceTime we were doing where I introduced you to Emily over the phone, y'all went right into some like church music stuff. And I had no idea what y'all were talking about at all. Didn't (laughs) we were barely talking. We were barely talking. We were singing these in the back. (laughs) I think we were talking about, we were talking about Brandy. It went from Brandy to Marvin Sapp. Like, I don't know how it happened, but it did. I don't know the correlation, but it happened. (laughs) We're just like, Oh, okay. So, that was fun. Uh, uh, so, so this is going to be, I'm looking so forward to tonight. This is going to be perhaps one of the funnest episodes we ever do. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am so excited. Um, so let, let's go ahead and dive right into it. Emily, go ahead and tell us what else we're going to be. Oh, and uh, we're also going to be talking about the random question of the day. See, I can't do the. Of the day. The, uh, you have to do the base. Okay. Of the day. <laughs> And that was an, that was like an, an entirely different key. It was <laughs> right. Oh, appreciate it. But it was okay. I felt it. It felt. It, yeah. I, I, I. Cool. Um. So the random question of the day is: What is one fashion trend that you think will never go out of style? Aaron, go first. You want, or do you want to go, do you go first, John, or do you want John? John. John, you go. Well, guest. and you and I say, and I because you're very fashionable. You're very trendy. Emma, that's true. I think so. You are. I think so. You're you're always like put together your outfits and stuff. It looks good. So I was I thought that that would be a good question, random question. So what do you think would be a fashion trend that would never go out of style? You know, I did not um, really subscribe to this until I grew it out. But a good beard. A good beard is never, don't no matter who you are, it's never going. To, if you have a quality, healthy, groomed beard, it's just the ladies love it. My wife, when I had to put my beard out, she's like, "Oh wow!" <laughs> <laughs> Nicole was loving it. No, <laughs> Nicole loved it. See, Emily will never get that joy in her life because I can't grow a beard to save. Remember, like, the, the, I'd have to put Chia Pet. Like, <laughs> Chia Pet, And I'd like, still only have seeds. four face hairs. <laughs> hey, I, I, this, I had patches, too. So I had to get some, like, to, you know, kind of dye it in a couple times until it kind of grew in there. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> a good beard. Yeah, I, th- I agree with that. I, yeah. I agree. Beer, beards are timeless. I agree. I, beards I think... are dapper unless you're a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't, ladies, please don't do that. No it's never going to be in style. <laughs> Even in 2021, women with beards will never be trendy. Jesus. We're in liberal times, but don't do that. Don't. Oh, Lord. Oh, that's good. Okay, so beards from John. Do you want me to go next? Yeah, you go next. One thing that I think will never go out of style, mm-hmm. 
Okay, for this is for for men only. For women, I, I don't necessarily know the equivalent, mm-hmm. but a a nice uh, three piece suit. Mm. I, I agree. man, John, I love I agree. a suit. I love it. I, I love I love when you're in a suit. I, I think it's really nice. <laughs> it is. It, there's and if you look at how suits, uh, like even even men's, you know, dress wear has has changed, even from like you know the like the 1700s, the 1800s. Yeah. That jacket, you know, the, right. the yep. jacket and the waistcoat that mm-hmm. hasn't changed. Like thankfully, right. we don't wear the white socks all the way up to our knees anymore. No. <laughs> Thankfully, we Hallelujah. have pants that go to the floor. <laughs> but I think that will be a timeless uh, look that'll never go out mm-hmm. for, for men. A, a nice, sharp suit. Right. I would, have, I would have to say, and it's kind of, I think that we all have um, the common thread in our answers, because my answer is going to be uh, class. Uh, we all have a common thread of, something being classic so classic Mm -hmm. so what i was thinking was just a very flowy like not sun i guess a sundress but like a very flowy pretty dress on a on a girl that would you know what i mean like goes from her waist and goes out you know just as flowy and pretty i think that yeah like i think that that kind of classic elegance will never go out of style, like, mm-hmm. no matter what. You know, like, whether they were... Specifically the flowy part, the flowy, like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Yes. Oh, yeah. That kind of thing, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. 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 so, so just really, I guess the classic styles, or the classic trends, will never go out of style. Will never go out of style. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. No, I, I can't wait for the man buns to be gone, though. Yeah. If I never see a man bun again, <laughs> I'll be happy. But they they said, what happens though if your if your man after what comes after the man bun? Somebody made a picture where they made it be a lot bigger, and they called it a he hive. A he hive. A he hive, like a beehive. <laughs> on a he hive. That is that is just terrible. Oh lord. Oh, but yes, I can't. There's certain fashion trends that I cannot wait. Had to go away. Yes. And, and okay, so real quick, real quick, what's the worst fashion trend right now? Worst right one now. right now. I don't understand the big, the big clunky shoes that you remember from like the nineties that we used to wear. Um, and it's mm. and they're coming, oh, yeah. they're coming back. What? I don't get it. Yeah. I'm like, I see these little girls with them, and they're heavier than they are. All together, you know what I'm saying? Like skinny <laughs> little girls, and then in these huge clunky shoes, and I'm like, sister, you're gonna fall on your face. I don't get it, but I can't hate because I wore that in the nineties myself. Right. So you did. I've seen pictures. I know <laughs> need to burn those, but yeah. yeah. Oh me. Well, that's fun stuff. Okay. We got the random question of the day out of the way. And now, uh, Emily. So today's episode, we're, we're going to focus on millennial, millennial ministers. Mm-hmm. And really, I think where I'd, I'd like us to kind of um, guide our efforts, if we can say so, mm-hmm. would be to talking about basically bridging the gap right. between the older generation and, and the generation under us. Because now the you know millennials, the youngest, are in their twenties; mm-hmm. the oldest are almost forty. Yeah, we're we're the middle ground now. We've right. got Gen X and the the boomers above us. Mm-hmm. 
and the boomers are starting to get ready to get to, you know, those in early retirement mm-hmm. age. And then you've got the Gen Zs and all them underneath us. Me as a Gen Z. And that's what I'm saying. We yeah. are, we are in the middle and we're the largest group in the workforce. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so now this, this has kind of changed the way church yeah. leadership yeah. has looked over the past couple of years. And that's what I'd like to dive into is, you know, over the past few decades and then, you know, with everything going on. So w- with all that said, real quick, John, for for our listeners who don't know you, will you give us a, a an overview kind of of, of your ministry background, um, growing up in the church and, and your history with the church? Yeah, well, you know, I am a, as Ben Dresden said, I'm a PK. I'm originally from Tacoma, Washington. Um, I grew up in the church, the back of the church. I, I, I don't know if I was born in, in the hospital or in the back pew of the church. I grew up when there was pew. So pew, not the chairs, but pew. Pews. So, you know, um, all I know is church and, and working with people and church. You know, I, Emily can agree. Growing up in church, you learn so much. You learn how to work with people, dynamics. You know, fundraise, <laughs> program development, usher, greet, you know, all that stuff came out of church. And that is the foundation of even my educational learning. You know, learning things and watching and, 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 and learning. And so from there, I moved to Texas, went to school, got my bachelor's at the State University, was still involved in church, traveled and sing. My brother and I are, are we, I call formal recording artists, but sometimes they bring us back. Um, to do stuff, but we recorded, and our basis was doing youth development, youth conferences, and we brought in speakers and singers. And you know, the '90s was just early childhood was a great time of just for millennials. Uh, it was a good time of exploration uh, and just um, learning, right? And so, um, I grew up, you know, while I was listening to church music, I was sneaking listening to R&B music. I was the SWV. I was sneaking <laughs> watching. You know, a so for real and Michael Jackson. Oh my gosh, I just mm-hmm. love Michael Jackson. And so my influence vocally is a mixture of you know uh, gospel artists who also were influenced by secular artists. So you know, Dawkins and Dawkins and Commission and Minister Standard and all that. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a great time of this quartet and gospel music, men groups. You know, even the secular world with Next and Guy and uh, uh, Drew Hill and mm-hmm. all that, right? So um, we, I started big groups and stuff like that. Ended up with me and my brother. So I just had a lot of great exploration time and sang and choral music. Just a lot of great. My parents really exposed me to a whole lot. When I got older, I started getting involved in the leadership portion of the church as a church administrator over the youth and music and fine arts. And um, now. Um, I'm at a church where I'm a part of the executive team of Kingdom Life Christian Ministries in San Antonio. I still work with my dad the session planning. My dad has, uh, we'll talk about later on, about how I've helped my dad transition from senior pastor to being an assistant pastor and the whole succession planning of the church. Mm-hmm. Even moving from building from another building in the pandemic. Before the pandemic and while the pandemic, the church has thrived. Uh, um, my dad is online you know, on Facebook doing stuff, you know, really engaging and really doing things that a 72-year-old pastor normally would not do. In his um, 70s. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so I say all that to say is that millennial, comments about millennials in ministry 
it's not just what I talk about, it's what I do, it's who I am, mm. and um, had lots of experience doing it, so I'm excited to be here. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you touched on something that I hadn't even thought about to the uh, prior to this. You mentioned that, that time of exploration, mm-hmm. and, and I think Emily will definitely agree with this. We Gospel music was its own separate thing, and then you had secular music. You didn't really have a lot of crossover before the, yeah. the 90s-ish era. Right. We grew up it listening to all that. It was new. Yeah. It was changing. It was new. Mm-hmm. It was... And so I didn't even think about that. We we really were, we grew up on the cusp of that wave coming in. Yeah, I mean, it Absolutely. was, there was a very harsh line, like, this is gospel music, mm-hmm. Christian music, you know, Christian contemporary, CCM, worship music, and secular. Like, there was no crossovers, there was no, nope. you know, Fred Hammond going on with Kanye. Like, there was no <laughs> mixing at all. Um, so, Yeah. That's such but a- we, got, we got to watch that with her Franklin and Mary Mary. Yes. Start bridging that gap. So mm-hmm. we were at the age when, when Kirkway came that stump and the revolution we were like the tanks were not no, no this is just too much well and it was on mtv i remember yep. that i remember that video was on mtv yes. and again just crossing those those lines so to mm-hmm. us that's normal right you know mm-hmm. our the, the our parents generation and above that wasn't normal for them right we've so, we've been making people mad for years <laughs> you know what i mean just because we keep we're like why not you know because i think that that's our generation i think that millennials like we're like this might crash and fail Mm-hmm. But why not? Let's do it. Right. Right. Well, because too, if even if it doesn't work, if we try this path, I think our lives have taught us, even if we try this and it's a huge failure, it's not the end of our lives. No. You well, still wake up the next yeah. morning. Yep. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, go, regroup, you know, take going. a turn. Right. That's it. Right. Mm-hmm. Reboot and jump yeah. back into it. So I, I think that's a, again, that exploring, cro- we're not afraid to test those boundaries. Mm-hmm. And and press that, which is why I think even, and we'll get into it, especially in, in the time we're living in right now, all of the massive amounts of changes that have happened mm-hmm. instantly yeah. that we've had to adapt to. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, so for, for you guys, again, growing up in the church, having dads as pastors mm-hmm. how, how did that how did that influence uh, so you grew up in the church how did that develop who you were as far as dealing with people from a young age because you you had people in the church who even as a young person you were having to deal with people two and three generations older than you yeah. right they had it, expectations. It, was, it was definitely interesting definitely interesting uh, i had some, some moments where it was kind of like going back and forth. Emily, let me know if you had the same experience. It's like one minute you're in an adult responsibility, and then next minute you're in a kid. It's like a, it's like a going back and forth, right? Because you are like I was 11 years old, directing the mass, the adult choir, leading young adult training and ministry, and uh, vacation Bible school, all that. But then. There are moments where I was a kid. I still was doing kid stuff. They were like, "Wait, but you're a kid, right?" It was a, it was a, it was an interesting dichotomy going back and forth. Yeah. But it was a lot of learning, right? I had to 
I, I appreciate my parents because I had other pastor kids, pastor kid friends that did not have parents that were at least aware and cognizant that oh they're still kids, right? Yeah. While they get exposed, they're still kids, and my parents allowed me to do stuff outside of the church, right? So it helped me get the kid experience, you know. Sure. I, just, I don't feel like I didn't have a, a, a childhood. Because I wasn't, I while I was in church a lot, there was a lot of things I did outside church: basketball, track, I sang cool music, which is different from gospel music. Yeah. So I did four years of traveling in a high school choir that competed collegiately, which was a foundation of, of, of my of really vocal. It really wasn't gospel music; it's my choral experience that really is the background of like music theory, right? And so yeah. that came from my head saying, "Hey, you got to do more than just." thing and, and me at church. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You gotta go do other things. So. Agreed. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and I my parents and I'm totally grateful for it as well. My parents were very much open to me um, you know, doing drama in high school, you know, uh doing choir. And even though it wasn't necessarily quote unquote Christian, I was still utilizing my gifts for the glory of God. So and That's it right. was sharpening all of my skills that I use today. You know, and so mm-hmm. I wouldn't have, yes, so much of what I have learned and, and do to this day are from what I learned from church, but also what I learned outside of the church. So I guess that like for ministers that have children right now to just remember that they're children and that they need to have outside, you know, good influence. I mean, healthy influence, but they need outside um, training, um, not just in church. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Somebody, it's interesting you say that, Emily. Somebody posted as a minister for him. He's actually in Dallas. Uh, not what church it is, but he's a prominent pastor in Dallas. And he took a picture of his son and daughter, I think like eight or nine, and they're in the pulpit, um, like on the, um, on the floor doing crayons and you yeah. know, drawing while their, 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 their mom and dad are in ministry because they're still kids. Yeah. And he posted that picture and said, my children make major sacrifice for their mom or their dad to do ministry. What they don't know is this summer, they're going to spend a whole week in, with Mickey Mouse in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pastors, ministers, don't forget your children are children. Yes. Allow that space. When they sacrifice, that you sacrifice, and you give them their space for them to be kids. So I thought, when I saw that, I was like, yes, Pastor, baby yes. vacations too. Yes, <laughs> but, they absolutely do. Mm-hmm. They they do, and they I've already even seen it even with our our kids because definitely having, uh, you know Mia being a preteen and then Carter being seven, and even the littles they there's a lot of a lot of stuff that gets put on that they have to sit around for and wait for. They make sacrifices mm-hmm. absolutely for parents to serve, and 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 I know that in your family as well they make sacrifices so that you can do what you do. Yep. Okay. So now I'd kind of like to pivot a little bit and get you guys input on our generation, you know, millennial ministers, leaders within the church, um, how we are a bridge between the older generation, the Mm -hmm. generations that have come before us, uh, and the generations that are coming after us, how we are bridging the way church has kind of always been done with our parents and our grandparents but now in the world we live in, how these shifts are occurring, we, we've seen it especially this past year, and how we as leaders 
our job being that middle generation to bridge those two together. How have you guys seen that in your own lives or how have you been seeing that done well or, or done poorly even? Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, as you were talking, I think that there's a, there is a realization and I think that there still needs, there's some growth still in the church kingdom, to the kingdom at large, understanding uh, of the concept of generations, right, of the multi-generational church. So you started out this segment talking about how millennials are the largest generation that's working, in the working class generation. Mm-hmm. Also, this is the first time that four generations are working together, right? Mm-hmm. So in a workplace, you have Gen Z who are working right now. They're at McDonald's. They're at yeah. yep. you know, restaurants, maybe working at Whataburger, you know, Walmart. And then we have millennials that are working that you said we are in either um, entry level or we're in mid-management, management positions. And then you have the baby boomers who are most likely in those senior CEO positions, right? Um, and then you still have gen- yeah, yeah, the veterans who are working at Walmart. They're greeting us at Walmart. Yep. They're like 70, 80, and they're, they're doing that thing. So there are four or five generations working in the, uh, in the workplace. Also, there are four or five generations going to church, right? Yes. So in the same way, we need to realize that on your left, you will have a millennial with a baby who is a Gen Z, or maybe not be Gen Z, because there's studies showing that there, there might be another generation behind the Gen Z. Right. Because the notes are 10, 15, 15 year gap. Mm. So we might find another generation being born in the pandemic, right? Yeah. That might be called the pandemic baby. Right. <laughs> hearing things like that, right? So, so there are generations being birthed as, as, as we as we're living, but they're in the church too as well, right? So how the idea is, as your church, have you realized the minister of gospel that there are, I have to work a little harder or differently or strategic because I'm talking to different kinds of generations. And we're, as we're saying generations, we're talking about lived experiences. Right. <clears throat> certain generations have certain lived experiences. We talk about the things we, music we love, and we can immediately relate to it because we're in the same generation. Right. So that means, you know, you take that example, praise and worship. You might need to diversify your praise and worship. Because right. mm-hmm. you have mother so and so at your church who wants a traditional hymn. Yes. She wants A B C. Right. A B C. Okay? And right. doesn't want to change it up. And then you have the millennials who or extras who want to just jazz it up a little bit. Can you add some little flavor to it? Can you right. add a and a chord there? Can you <laughs> add some five or six part harmony? You right. know? And then Gen Z who maybe just want to rock it out. We just want to go crazy for the Lord. Right. right. <laughs> So those are the things that I'm hearing. Churches that are successful, they're they're considering the diversity of age. Yeah, experiences mm-hmm. that come to the door mm-hmm. for sure. And I think that really what helps bridge a lot of um, the gap with in between generations is just respect, is just consideration, is just empathy Absolutely. and honor. It's just the simple things of, you know realizing and putting yourself into their place and being like, okay, what's sacred to them might not be sacred to me, but I need to remember that that's precious to them, that they're not just doing that to be difficult. It's precious to them. So I need to remember that, consider it and be gentle. And Paul tells us to be gentle and, and, and 
and not divisive. And so those are all things to just consider is putting yourself in their spot. How would you, because one day we're going to be the boomer age and there's going right. to be those Gen Zers that are like, I want to do it this way. And I don't want to do how great is our God anymore because I'm sick of it, <laughs> you know? And right. so they're going to, and I can't wait to tell them no, because I got told no. Right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> For no other reason. <laughs> We're going to be the considerate ones, John, and Aaron's just going to be with his arms full to be like, no. Nope. <laughs> we in his three in his three piece suit and a, no beard. With no beard and a three piece suit. <laughs> right. Say no. But but you you mentioned that John the, the lived experiences and, and that's a big thing even outside of the age numbers the brackets it's those experience. Because the church experience that your grandparents had is much different from the church that our kids go to. Completely different. Totally different. And, and it doesn't matter if, because, and also for people listening, we come from different church backgrounds. Totally different. I, I grew up in a conservative um, Baptist background in East Texas. Emily grew up in... Four Square. Four Square, which was a little bit more... Uh, Pentecostal. It's more Bapticostal. A mix between the two, but up, you know, on the on the East Coast, up north. Yeah. And then John grew up Kojic, or... Church of Christ, Pentecostal, hand clapping, speaking tongues, going out of control each Sunday, okay? Yes. But but see, even with all those differences across the entire United States, just all different styles, these issues are still the same. Yes. Regardless. Church is church, no matter what church you go to. It's still church. Absolutely. And that's another thing that's going to come that you mentioned about <clears throat> generations, but also the blending of different denominations and religions. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're starting to come a little, you know, a, it's, it's kind of like a fusion, because you said Baptocostal. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a fusion of things. And then the nomination, see, 20, 30 years ago, there was no non-denominational. Either you were Baptist, Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. Yes. You had three or four options, and that was That's all. It. Yes, there was no non non denom. Mm-hmm. No, you had to have a name on no. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eastern yeah. Baptist, Methodist, yep. uh, Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. You had a name, yeah. right? Just, so non denomination is that fusion of all these different experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Or, sure. or in some churches, it's a a new creation, a recreation of something different right. that that. Mm-hmm. For sure. So. Oh yeah, and and we and I grew up in the church as well. I was not a pastor's kid, but our parents took us to church every week. I was there on Wednesday nights. I grew up in the church. Right. I got mm-hmm. saved at a very young age, at the age of seven. I became a believer, and so I grew up in the church. And I've seen how the if you look at Baptist churches, I can look at the Baptist church that I grew up in, Pleasant Hill here mm-hmm. in Tyler, Texas. Right. And that church was hymns, piano, and organ for worship, and that was it. You, there was right. nothing else. But now, the worship will look nothing like that. They're, mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're not doing things the same way. Things have changed over the past 20, 30 years. Right. So we've seen that, and people get used to very slow changes. They're sure. okay with that. Yeah. But when stuff happens like COVID... Yeah. Like last year, which is unprecedented. Yeah. Right. The church realized how unprepared it was Absolutely. to deal with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had Absolutely. been we had been in a model 
that felt good in the 50s and 60s, and we just hung on to it. Right. And then we realized everything. When they took away the the big Sunday celebration, mm-hmm. it, it rocked so many uh, churches. John, how did y'all deal with that in, in your church? Yeah, you know what? That's, thank you for asking that question. Everyone still reflecting on what just happened, you know? Um, like, that was just a paradigm shift. You know, I think that we quote a lot of scriptures about being ready by the hope that lies within us and just being us being rooted in the Word of God and all this stuff about being filled with the precious Holy Ghost and all that stuff like that. And when the pandemic happened, it was testing the Word of God that was in us. Yes. Right. I really believe I don't have to speak for myself. I really believe it was a test of, okay, it's time for these scriptures to really come to life here. You know, it's not just quoting them, but let's put them in place. You know, you have to, you know, pray over yourself. You have to, you know, you could call the lifeline of a preacher, pastor, whatever, but you have to figure it out yourself. You know, you have to build an altar virtually in your own home. And Honestly, for me, I think that's what God wanted the whole time. He right. wanted the altar back to the original place, which is your home. Right. Where, you know, if you talk, talk about the Acts Church, the Acts Church, they met in homes, right. in communities. They weren't really in structures. God came in, in a personal way into their families. And the Bible talks about Acts later on that they shared and they were amongst each other, all, all in one accord. They were mm-hmm. a common. That's I think the pandemic, while there's a lot of loss, there's a whole lot of loss. And and we want to honor and respect the lives that were lost. Many of us got a chance to reflect on our spiritual life. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. And really hone in on that. And I think that was a powerful thing. And last but not least, many of us, like myself, was able to spend time with our family, which is our first ministry. Yes. It's our first ministry. Mm -hmm. It's hard for us. Uh, people of God to minister to everyone else and in your own home is not taken care of. Yes. So I got to really minister to my wife and my family, mm-hmm. spend time in their faith on Sunday morning. We get got a chance to, to eat and commune together uh, because we can go by really that quick and then here comes Monday and you're just on the rat race, right? Right. Yep. So I really believe that the church was able to regroup Mm-hmm. The church and the people mm-hmm. was able to say what is important, yes. what is really important. Yes. So. And that's what I was right when you were talking about that. I, and you just said it. It was like hashtag what's important, like what's important. And I think that a lot of millennials, we kind of do away. We try to do away with a lot of the ceremony and all that kind of stuff. We're like, okay cool, that's great, I think that's awesome, whatever, but what's the point? What's, right. What's, what, where, where's the point, and how do we get to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of, it's not, we're not trying to be rude when we have that kind of attitude. People might think mm-hmm. that is disrespectful or dishonoring or whatever, but really we, we want to know what's important because we want to do it. That We want to mm-hmm. do it so bad, and we want to put in, we want to put our, attention and efforts towards what's important. Right. Well, and we want to know what's fluff. 
Yeah. And what's, you know, what it, it's been good. It's been fun to do, but at the same time, it, it's not really important. We'll right. set that aside for a time, come back to it right. if we need to. But sure. We want to carry on in, in what is, what's the most important thing. And, and I agree. Uh, you know, you mentioned it, John, that it, it, while it was a difficult time with a lot of loss, it was also a moment, I feel like for the first time in our generation or in a couple, that the world kind of felt like it almost got put on pause for a little bit. And we were all able to reflect and, and realize, like you said, the rat race, the running, the going, the doing, yeah. doing, 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 And we realized how much of that, all of, we were doing all that stuff, and yet it wasn't bringing us any more joy in our lives. It, yep. w- it wasn't bringing us right. I- any more uh, growth. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't, the rat race was not delivering what it had been promising to deliver us. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think even the church has kind of realized that as well. Mm-hmm. We had a mm-hmm. lot of things that we were doing yeah, because we'd been doing them for the past 30 years. That's the way that we've mm-hmm. always been doing it. Right. So why change it? Right. You know, you, you had, you had committees and teams that were developed 20, 30 years ago when somebody had a deep burning passion to serve that, thing but mm-hmm. that that person you know uh moved on or, or passed away 15 years ago but they're still mm-hmm. doing it but the, the ministry's still there <laughs> yeah. and so they keep doing it and right. the, the church keeps doing that and i think that this right now the the time period we're in is is such a great period to look and reflect and say what matters what what do we mm-hmm. need to keep holding on to what do we need to let go of but what do we right. need? What's right in front of us to reach out and take? Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think mm. that that's a huge going to be a huge thing for for leaders and for the church in general in the next couple of years and in the years to come. I think innovation is going to be key in, in sure. the church. Absolutely. You know, keep. I, I, I think that um, my dad always says he says the next generation has the answer with technology and with access and um, there is there is opportunity for as you said innovation and creativity if we can just tap into it and and use the strength of this millennial generation that's the strength of us we um we are we some of us are digital natives and some are digital dependent and what i mean by that the younger millennials gen z were born at a time where all they knew was a phone and an iPad. Mm-hmm. We are a little older. We are, I kind of call myself a cusper because we are cusper. older millennials, but we can relate to experts. Sure. So I call us cuspers, right? Yes. So, but there was a time when we grew up. There was no, there was no phone. The only phone we knew was Zach Morris phone. Yes. The big gray one with Santa. <laughs> yeah. Right yep. and pagers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Pagers, maybe, pagers, you know, yeah. I remember the pagers. That came, that came like when we started coming of age. Mm-hmm. But we didn't grow up with a a literal digital type device that's a computer in our hands. Right. We were over here trying to integrate and send messages through pages using numbers, right? I love you using the numbers <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, and so I, I think that because of those experiences, and I, and I have to say that there's a myth that we are not resilient. Look what we just did. We we mm-hmm. we turned we we made pagers just phenomenal. We made we we were the one that pushed phones from 
Zach Moore's big antenna to its route in your hand. It was our generation that made that popular. Mm-hmm. You know, right. our generation was going through, we went through the uh, 2009 depression. The whole thing, yeah. we, we came up age. We came, when I say came up age, we, the first generation to come into like this workplace and it was crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we had right. to come in there and make it happen. Yeah. Right. Right. We're we're really resilient. Now we're handling the pandemic with our families, right? Right. So this whole concept of us being lazy and, and I think that's I think that's a misconception. For I don't sure. think that's, that's, that's a, a good view of our generation. Uh, maybe because we haven't had the opportunity to show you, but we're too busy trying to be resilient and trying right. to get through <laughs> COVID, COVID. You know, we're just trying to make it happen because that's, right. it's we're it's numbing for it's it's just it's just commonplace for us to be challenging things and go through. Right. Mm-hmm. For that, sure. That's our job. For yeah. sure, for sure. Oh, I, I 100% agree. And, and and I love that. So let me ask you this then, John. You, you mentioned a couple of things. I, I'd like to know, just even personally, what I'd say more than what you've learned this year, what, what has God been working and shaping in you during this time, during the pandemic, and what do you see him working in you as we kind of come out of this in, in the days ahead? Yeah, you know, um, you know, I think for not just for me, for all of us, we talk about creativity. God is like, and I'm seeing businesses and companies and agents being birthed in this season. It is just phenomenal to watch the creativity because of the limitations, right? Talk about resilience. Look at look at this show right here. This show is burst at a time where you would say there's not enough access and you know accessibility and look what's happening. And I think that for all of us, mm-hmm. there's another level of creativity, another level of inspiration that we're having. I'm inspired to do this work. This is my fourth conversation about millennials. And I don't know what it is, but I'm going to continue to have these conversations about millennials in the church because it's a really powerful thing. I think also succession planning is really something that I'm inspired to even write, to talk a little more about Absolutely. the church's role. Is, you know, what's next? How do we, okay, okay, pastor, you've been here for 80 years, 70 years. Who's up next? And how do we train them? What are the competency? How do we, how is he going to be or she going to be successful in this environment? Let's look at the demographics of the new city that you're in because the city's changing. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I'm in what's next. So yeah. that's what the Lord is inspiring me. I love How that. do I help people think what's next for, for yeah. their churches and their nonprofits? Right. That's yeah. good. Well, that's great. And you've been doing a lot of that already as well because you and your brother, I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but, but you guys have been doing a lot of stuff helping um, tech and, and media people online on Facebook. I'm a part of y'all's group. And then even mm-hmm. uh, came with the app y'all came out with for the, the text, my members. Thing. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you're, you're, y'all are doing it. I mean, it, it's, right. it's incredible. I, I keep watching stuff and, and every time I turn around, I'm like, well, there's John uh, doing something else, <laughs> making something else. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a guest on something else. And, and mm-hmm. I absolutely love uh, that that you're responding to those things and, and seeing those things again while being in active in a leader in the church, being a husband and a father mm-hmm. and a student and a leader at your job. 
finding a way to that resilience to balance all those things and to still, every time something comes at you, you look at God and you say, what's next? Right. And right. ha- hashtag right. why not? And we can, and we can, can agree with this. They would say the church, much is given, much, much is required. required. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. But I, I, I love that. I love that. And that was, I, I will say, John, I remember that was one of the main things that attracted to, to me, to you as a friend was I, you just had this, I, I guess life is the way I would, I would use to describe it. This just, you had a, you could just feel a hunger for life. You wanted mm-hmm. to do and enjoy and try and, right. and go and push and learn and grow and teach and lead. And mm-hmm. it was just Man, it, it it was just always so helpful. Every time we had phone conversations uh, during school about papers and things yeah. like that, when I was always like, I was worn out, and I would talk to John, and I yeah. would be so pumped up. And you don't you don't know how many times John I said to him during the process, I was like, when he was just down and he was kind of complaining and just you know whatever having a moment, I was like, call John. Just have you called John? Have you talked to John? <laughs> so thank you. And Nicole was going to say, "Maybe you should call Aaron about that." <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that's so amazing. Let me, let me, as we kind of wrap up here, I guess the one of the main things that I would want you to share with everybody, if you could, if you had to give like one big piece of advice to to leaders and and young ministers, I say young, I. I I consider us young. <laughs> if you could give advice to them who maybe they're just starting out or if they're lifelong servants like you and Emily, if you could give one big nugget to them, like one big takeaway, uh, what what would it be for, for serving? You know, I, I'm going to steal something that I think Emily said in Babel. She used the word empathy. And this season, this time that we're in, if you don't love God and love God's people, it's going to be very difficult for you to do ministry in this season. Yes. Mm -hmm. People are really, really in need. They're not just in need financially or they need food or resources, but they need love. They need care. A lot of people have been through a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. through the pandemic. Everyone, everyone has been through the pandemic has given all of us trauma, right. some level of trauma. Yes. And then some of us, lots of us had trauma before the pandemic. Right. Mm-hmm. Some of us have been hurt from different churches, from different experiences. If you don't have empathy, if you cannot understand or try to understand or be open-minded, it's going to be very difficult for you to reach the lost. Right. Mm-hmm. Not being able to reach the, the uh, already found, Mm-hmm. Maybe talk and engage with them and do the water cooler thing, right? Mm-hmm. But if you want to reach the lock, right, you're gonna have to really kick up another level of love and compassion. You're gonna have to really lean on Jesus as an example of His love on the cross, of His mm-hmm. love when He was alive on this earth. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to really hold in um, because coming out of the pandemic, we're gonna see a lot of people rush to our churches or whatever's left of our community to say. I'm in need. Mm. Right. I, I'm trapped in my home. I'm in need of love and care. I need somebody to hug me. Right. I know you got a mask on, but take the mask off for a second. We're all vaccinated. Give me a hug. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> it's just, that's, that's what I was saying. Yeah. yeah. 
That's so uh, good. That is that is good. That is such a that is such a good word to to love and to love God and to love His people. Um, we we need that. Oh my goodness. I'm so filled up right now. <laughs> you have no idea, John. Even this, some people might think this episode's for them. It's actually for me. <laughs> a, I wanted to talk to John, and B, I wanted some good advice, and yeah. and I cannot think of a better person to get it from. Oh my goodness, John! This has been so much fun. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for taking time to to talk with us. I, I already know we're going to have you back on another episode oh, yeah. and do this again. This is just so fantastic. I, oh, I, there's still, so, there's so much we could have jumped into Yeah, and there's so much left that we haven't even touched on yet. And mm-hmm. so this is just to be continued. To be continued. Yes. Definitely. This is part one of however many parts we decide to feel like doing in the future. <laughs> so no end to this. Well, John, thank you so much again, man. I, I love you. I appreciate you. You you've meant so much to me ever since we became friends in 2017, and I, I just look forward to our friendship for the rest of our days, man. Absolutely, blessings over this ministry, you and Emily. I'm excited. I've been checking y'all out. I'm excited for what God has for y'all. I'm listening in. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you, John. We appreciate you so much, and. Uh, we also want to thank everybody who's who's joined in and everybody who's stuck with us this long. Uh, thank you guys so much for spending time with us. We love having you join us in these chats and these conversations. We love your feedback. So uh, share this with your friends, follow us, um, and we'll just kind of cut it there. So thanks for joining us for another episode of Glover Chat, and we will catch you later. Later.